0: strap went on every run and uh, initially i went from pushing myself at a, like a 4:30 pace for five six k runs uh and coming home breathing hard and i had to to, to fall that heart rate i i dropped almost to a six minute pace and that would be really tough for a lot of people and i was just like you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna give this a few months and and, and i'll see and by the end of those few months i was sub five minutes and then a couple months later i was running four thirties for for my easy pacing and, and but now i was breathing more.
1: welcome to the new leaf running podcast i'm your host rick canning and that was ian lahed Ian, one of the founders of the BLT Runners here in Halifax and also a fellow coach, is always finding a way to give back to his local community. He volunteers to organize group speed workouts for the BLT Runners and is the race director for the Movember Run, which raises money for men's health. He can often be found picking up litter Uh, Well, he's out on his runs, too, which is pretty amazing. I always look forward to getting another coach here on the show to talk all things running, and Ian did not disappoint. There was a ton of knowledge dropped in this conversation, specifically about heart rate training and preventative body maintenance. Not only did we get into the origin story of the BLT runners, but we also got into how Ian got his start in running. Now, Ian is a pretty speedy guy, but it always is music to my ears when I hear a runner tell me a story where they had to learn to slow down in order to get faster, and this was a goodie. Ian was really struggling to improve as a runner and really wasn't enjoying the sport all that much. But after he bought into the idea of heart rate training, he slowed right down and began to enjoy running in a whole new way that he wasn't able to do before. And you know what? After a few short months of slowing down, Ian was back to running faster than ever, but with a much lower effort. This was game-changing for him, and I say sing it from the rooftops. Every runner needs to know this, and getting runners to slow down in order to go faster is my hardest job as a coach. So without further ado, here's today's conversation. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much uh, for joining me here today. So a fellow lumber, lover of uh, fine cinnamon buns I've seen from from what you've been uh, posting on the internet. I myself am a, a true fan of a good cinnamon bun. That's something that I always am striving for, especially out on uh, long trail races. I love having a cinnamon bun, man. It's awesome. So how's it going? Like I see you've been out doing some uh some speed skating. It's a couple laps around around the oval. Like, what have you been up to? Yeah,
0: yeah, uh winter hits, and uh luckily, uh even though it's uh kind of covid times, uh speed skating is a, a lovely outdoor activity that I picked up a few years ago. So uh it, it seems to fit right in. Um it it, it can be cold. I know you're you're probably used to running around the commons in the winter. I've seen you in the past doing that. Um, yeah, uh, picking, uh, keeping keeping up the running, uh, same both the same amount uh, that I have been doing. Uh, adding in some cycling with a new virtual uh, ride around Nova Scotia and the and the speed skating uh, just for the few months where we actually can have a little bit of ice outdoors.
1: Yeah. It's a ton of fun. Like, um, just up at our new place, we've got a, we've got a lake out back. And just yesterday we, uh, we cleared a pretty good sizable rink with, with all the neighbors. And I got to tell you after like seven hours in, in this case yesterday, like all my stabilizers and, and muscle, like muscles are sore. Like it's a good workout.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it usually takes me, um, uh, it takes me about uh, three or four, uh, sessions before I can finally, uh, walk, walk normally afterwards. Yeah. Like uh, those muscles kick in and when your speeds get in, of course you're, you're always going in the one direction. So your hips are always kind of taking that odd, weird beating going just constantly the same way over and over again, but uh, you you do get used to it and it's, it's certainly fun.
1: It's been something that I've been interested in trying just because I really enjoy that feeling of like gliding, like even like picked up cross-country skiing last year and that can be kind of similar and just even just kind of pushing and just enjoying cruising around uh, the rink and normal skates just that like feeling of gliding like you're almost flying but i imagine like speed skating that's going to be like a whole new a whole new level so what's that what's yeah. the experience like
0: no it's great i mean i think it's it's probably pretty close to like skate skiing um you know once you get a good if the snow is just perfect and, and you you know you're flying along. Uh not that I'm big into cross-country skiing only because I'm really bad at it. I can only be bad I can only be bad at one sport at a time and that's speed skating. So um but much unlike hockey skates, you do spend a lot more time on a glide. With a hockey skate you can only glide so far and you really have to constantly keep pushing. Uh with the speed skate the really the 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 most time you spend pushing is in the corners. And then on the straightaways, it's 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 a lot of gliding. So you have to have a pretty strong core to to keep going straight. Um, and it's fun, and, and and you get some speed going. I mean, you're you're doing forty plus kilometers an hour when you're a mediocre skater like me. Uh, I don't even know what the what the big guys are doing, but it's it's more than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Like I yeah, even just cruising in a bike when you're going that fast is fun. So yeah, it's going to be fun on the ice too. It's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so I wanted to get you on the show for a few reasons, of course, to chat all things running. Like I know you're a fellow like running running gear nerd and you're a coach and like and I've been following you like along for a while and like your progression as a runner over the past few years it's impressive, man. Like you've gotten really fast like over the past few years. It's amazing. It's amazing to see that uh, come to fruition. And I've also seen like you're always out there doing stuff for the community. Like you're always out like picking up litter. You're doing like the Movember race that you've got on the go and you're you're out giving blood. And I think that that is, that's pretty amazing too. And when you're not doing that, like you're founder of the BLT runners and you're hosting speed workouts, trying to get the whole, like raise the whole group up and trying to support the group and, yeah like so besides all that and just love talking to like fellow coaches and runners so like i'm so happy that you're able to come and chat with me for a while today um so why don't we start things off and uh we could just start at the beginning like how did you how did you get into running
0: um i was not i I shouldn't say i wasn't a, a childhood runner i was on the uh i was on the like the grade five track team now i will say that Uh, that was a random draw from a hat. So that was, that was how I got started. And we did one whole track meet. Uh, I did cross country in high school where I was literally the guy who they needed to have on the team to have enough members to make a team. Um, uh, I could keep up with everyone for about a hundred meters. And then I usually came in last or second last. It was, it was great fun. And then I kind of stopped running completely throughout my college years, uh, picked up cycling in my late twenties. And then in my mid thirties, I just, Oh, the, the main reason I, I wanted to enter a duathlon. So I thought I should do a little bit of running. Right. And, on. uh, so duathlons for those that don't know, uh, it's like a triathlon. Only instead of a swim, you do two runs with a bike in between. So I thought, great, I'm going to do this, this event. Um, and I trained by running like, I, probably once a week, about 2 kilometers at a time. So those 2-4 kilometer runs were were harsh. <laughs> and then then I realized maybe I should I should do a little more training. So that's when about my mid 30s I sort of started to run a little more frequently. And that turns out that helps.
1: It it definitely helps a little bit. So how did you get from running a couple times a week and having 4 kilometer run being pretty painful to you, going out and smash half marathons. So where, how did you develop your, your love for running?
0: You know, I think, um, for the first few years I, I would do a few running events. Like I did the blue, no- I started doing the blue nose, like the 10 K I, I would do that. And a couple little fun runs here and there, and uh, maybe a, a rum runners event. Um, but uh, I wasn't really big into the running scene still. I was still really focused on duathlons and heading into the triathlon world. Um, I guess I've always been, I mean, with running, there's there's always a little bit of speed in the legs uh, and you you can always kind of tell how fast you're going to be able to go. The question is, can you put the training in to maintain that over a distance. Um, so I knew I was a pretty fast runner. I just couldn't run fast for very long. I'd burn out really quick. Um, and then it was a few years of that, of, you know, being at the front of the pack for the first 2k of a 10k race. And then in the blue nose coming in 150th, you know, after getting passed by 149 people. Um, so I, uh, I was, uh, doing a, I would start to run a little more frequently, like two or three times a week, maybe four times a week, but still like short distance because I'd still burn myself out in training. Um, and so, you know, four or five K was, was, was hard because I, I, I went out and I ran fast just constantly. And then you you burn out. And then I got introduced to um, heart rate training with uh, uh, Jeff Sahavich in town. And he taught me how to slow it down. Shout out uh, to Jeff. And when I <laughs> Shout out to Jeff, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I bought into it early on and uh there was a whole bunch of us that kind of went in with him and at the beginning and I think some people bought into it, some people didn't. And maybe the people that didn't were more seasoned runners and just were really set in their ways. I thought, you know, it can't hurt. So, it was winter and uh, I just started slowing it all down and run and and really focusing on on watching my heart rate when I ran and running actually started to feel kind of good um and I started to make certain I just started to make these strides and get faster um over like three or four months and then I from that point on I really just liked running and when you like something you want to do it so uh, there's always been a little setbacks here and there, a little nagly uh, injuries and stuff, nothing too major for me. I've been pretty lucky. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it feels good to run most of the time for me. So that's, you know, that's, it's again, it, it was getting out more frequently, getting consistent, uh, now running five days a week instead of three days a week. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you're right. Half marathon is kind of a a distance I really, I really quite like. And the very first one I trained for, I ran three times a week, uh, pretty consistently and ran a 150. Uh, and this past uh past year I ran a 119. Whoa man, Um, that's smoking. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, like uh so uh that was a solo effort because not a lot of races this past year but prior to that uh my 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 personal best was a 120 so not not a lot slower but uh yeah I just I I got into that consistent habit of running and 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 I liked it
1: Man, there's so much good stuff in there and I have a feeling like as as a coach yourself like this is probably very relatable to a lot of um, athletes and runners that you talk to because like very similar to my story like i was very bullheaded when i started running and what you were talking about like i just went out and i thought i just need to run uh, like as fast as i can or at my goal race pace every run and I just got to try and build that distance up and I'll eventually get that up to 10K and I'll be able to maintain it. And that's that was the mentality. But yeah, it sucked. Like (laughs) no run, no run was fun. You come home and you're trashed. And obviously that uh, that strategy did not work so well for the race because man you, you go out and maybe you're flying for the first five or seven k but then like you say you're passed by the 160 people and you're just so demoralized you're like man this sucks like this running stuff is just not for me but like the the secret weapon all along was just yeah you needed a way to slow yourself down and actually be able to build that aerobic system sustainably and not be constantly breaking your body down so it makes me so happy to hear that that was sort of the catalyst of what helped you enjoy writing and helped you actually be able to, to get faster. Like, yeah. Slow down to, to get faster. It's a little counterintuitive, but it's kind of the magic bullet, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It works. Uh, I mean, and it's great. And I'll tell you, like, like, I, that heart rate strap went on every run. And uh, initially I went from, Pushing myself at a, like a four thirty pace for five six k runs uh, and coming home breathing hard, and I had to 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 follow that heart rate. I I dropped almost to a six minute pace, and that would be really tough for a lot of people. And I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna mm-hmm. give this a few months and and I'll see. And by the end of those few months, I was sub five minutes. And then a couple months later I was running four thirties for, for my easy pace again. And, but now I was breathing normal and I could talk. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And you know, like, there's a lot of people when you start trying to like convince them to run slower, like that is literally my hardest job as a coach. And you just hear like, Rick, I cannot physically run that slow. And like, same as you. Like I was probably like 630, 6.45 kilometers. Like that's what I was slowing down to when when I was learning this. And like I might have approached it slightly different now, like knowing what I know now. Like I probably wouldn't have been so like obsessed about needing to like walk going up every little incline, like where my heart rate was spiking. But just like you, like I was fully bought in. And it took a couple of months for the the system to really catch up to like what I was doing but once it starts to kick in it doesn't it doesn't take long for the body to realize what's going on and then yeah. you like turn into Forrest Gump <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah no i mean it 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 did it, it i guess in some respects it seems like it's so long because it's like months but really it's like a few months uh to to really start to see some good benefits from it um so you know, I I'm I, uh, you know, as as a coach, uh, I I still see like massive advantages. But that being said, not everybody wants to wants to, you know, get in and 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 take that on. So there's always you always have to kind of juggle that as a coach to find an alternate route to to put those limiters on people to keep them from hurting themselves in training. So
1: yeah, it can be a sure. bit fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you work at all with uh perceived level of effort with some of those athletes that don't quite buy into heart rate training, like with the, well,
0: um, I tend to, I tend to, I tend to actually go with pace uh, for most, um, but we do pace. uh, So my certification for coaching is in V dot. So that's the Jack Daniels running system, not the whiskey, but, um, but, uh, uh, and so I, I use his, his system, um, which actually blends well with, with heart rate, um, in, in that, uh, for easy running, uh, he usually offers, uh, a range of paces, um, which is, you know, a pretty good, good thing. And, and personally, I found that it tends to almost mimic my heart rate training. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's, it's, it works pretty good that way. Uh, all I have to do is hope that everybody follows those paces pretty closely and you have to base them off of like something that's realistic. Like, did you just do a race? Not what do you hope to do? I
1: just gave, where are you now? I just gave an entire, like a webinar on this for runners. And it's exactly that it's figuring out like what those training paces are based on your abilities right now. And that's 100% yeah. 100% like you can't do it based on where you you want to be or where you wish you want to be because if you go and try and set those as your paces then you're back to where we just were talking about right yeah. <laughs> you're burning yourself out every training run and getting getting injured so yeah you need to you need to start where where you're at right now based off yeah a recent race or a recent fitness tester or have somebody guide you if you're just starting out to figure out what, what is reasonable.
0: Now we, uh, we occasionally uh, in our run club do we've this year we didn't, uh, but we, we have done some uh, like field tests for heart rate training, which not as good as the, uh, you know, the proper get up on a treadmill and run and they take little blood samples from you and monitor what's going on. but you know it's free (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot cheaper but in some respects it can be a lot harder because realistically you need to go out for a good 30 minute hard run with with a good portion of 20 minutes of that being the best effort you can give for 20 minutes that's hard for people um therefore 5k races tend to work pretty good like you can often use a 5k race most most runners are sort of in in that sort of 25 to 35 minute range in a 5k race. So it kind of falls in there. So you can kind of use those numbers if they're willing to wear a heart rate monitor for that. You can play around with that. Um, So, so we, we do help people try and find um, their aerobic level at least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: events like that.
1: Another thing that I've used to you for, like some conditioned athletes that some that have like a bit of a base, like I wouldn't do this with somebody that that's brand new, but uh, somebody that's interested in knowing like what that maximum heart rate might be. That doesn't get you exact, but if you go put someone at the base of Citadel Hill and get them to do three or four repeats, like max all mm-hmm. out, by the time they get to that fourth repeat and if they're really given it, then they can be up like within five beats per minute or so of that, that max so that's that would be a way to find out how accurate like that 220 minus your age calculation is to help people dial that in a little bit too
0: yeah 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 so there's a few few options out there um and even the imperfect ones i think can still at least be a good starting point so
1: yeah and then like you said once you start to dial that in and understand how your current like race results kind of play into that, then you can really align that with your own like heart rate data. Like so you could just kind of observe where you're at running with those paces. And you would kind of understand based on what your what your paces are, what zone more or less you should be running in. And then you can start to correlate that with your heart rate. And then does that make sense with the 220 minus your age if you haven't gotten out and, and gotten tested.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that the one thing people don't like about heart rate, um, other than the fact that it seems to make you really slow at the start is, uh, that there are days when they go out and their heart is just high for some reason and they have to run real slow and but they want to run really fast. Um, but that is the, in my mind, the beauty of heart rate training is it's, it's the day it's you on that day. And you didn't get sleep because your kids are doing something weird, or your dog is barking all night, or work is stressful, or you didn't have a good, you know, you weren't eating enough during that day, or you weren't hydrated enough. Maybe you have a cold. Your heart rate's gonna like be all over the map because of different stresses like that. So um, that's not a bad thing. That's that's your body saying maybe today is not the day. Ease it back.
1: Hundred percent. And I think this is. For me, anyways, with the way that I, I like to work with, with my athletes is this is where the perceived level of effort is, mm-hmm. comes in. Because once you get an understanding, and I do start with newer athletes similar to you, like giving them targets to shoot for, for paces. And then we focus on trying to learn what that feeling feels like. So that way, as their fitness is improving, they're trying to strive for that feeling. And then they can start to see progress because they're getting the same feeling, but they're running faster than what that pace was before. And if they have a heart rate monitor, then that is fantastic like backup information, or it kind of helps guide them a little bit too to, again, if they're not familiar with understanding how how they're feeling. But like you said, if, if you are stressed out at work... Or, yeah, you didn't sleep well or you had to get up with the kids a couple times throughout the night, then, yeah, you're probably not going to be feeling so hot if you're out for a run at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so being able to incorporate that into your effort is important or being able to understand, like yeah, you weren't able to hit your targets during that interval session, but were you able to hit the, the effort that you were supposed to get? So not yeah. thinking that that workout was a waste. Yeah, if you didn't completely nail in your your quote-unquote target paces. Did, did you go out and do the effort to elicit the training adaptations you were looking for?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, so what's got you focused on these... Like these shorter distances, like you, you're out, and every time, like I see you, you're just knocking off all these fast, like five Ks, and I see you seem you're you seem to be like specializing up into the the half marathon. So, what's like what's got you all jazzed about getting getting real fast? And I know you're kind of dabbling a bit into trail too, and it's, but it's still kind of the the shorter trail. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I, I, every year I, I, I get a little older, but I get a little faster. Um, and there is, there is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm torn. Like everyone, everyone loves the marathon. Um, and I don't mind running a marathon. I well, not that I've run a lot of marathons. I've, I've run like two, <laughs> but, um, uh, and one of them was this virtual Boston this last year where I was just pacing. But, um, I don't know that the, there's two things. I mean, I, I like to sort of push myself to that, that top limit. And I feel like I can do that up, up to like that sort of hour and a half kind of time frame, And then I, after that, it gets, it starts to get a bit, bit hard to do that. Um, and if I, if I fail at, at, at a short distance, I don't mind. Like I've pushed myself to, to, uh, uh, to my limits, and and I don't always make the goal. I don't always get the best 5K that day. I, like I've, I went out this weekend, and I, I thought, well, I'll do a 5K time trial. I was 45 seconds off my PB. Now it's cold, it's snowy. There's a lot of excuses. Doesn't matter. I I didn't I didn't get anywhere near what I what I thought I might be able to. Um, it's fine. I got it next weekend to go. If I try and and get my PB in, in a marathon. And I fail by a minute. I'm not. am not popping out next weekend to try it again.
1: So it's a little more heartbreaking when that happens. But I think I don't think your odds are all that much better in getting your your marathon PB versus that that five k PB. I think you. I like to tell people they got about a one in four shot about everything lining up on that day. Like you could do. You could do everything right. And come prepared, have the best race plan, have the best strategy, and be all ready to go. And it's just not going to be your day. Like you said, the last weekend, was things just didn't line up. I'm you know, sure yeah. you still went and laid down a solid effort, but just didn't didn't work out. And unfortunately, when you train for 16 plus weeks for one of these longer distances like the marathon, then yeah, people get really upset. But the way I like to look at it is: Did you go out and do the the best that you could on that day? Like that—that's all that matters, right? Like I say, like, yeah. Come home and look look at yourself in the mirror and say that you did your best. And if you didn't make that PB, then you just try again. Like you just learn a lot, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, and I I fully appreciate people's love of the uh, love of the marathon. There's uh, there's there's ser- there's certainly something uh, magical about it. Um, and uh, and defeating it, even if it defeats you en route, I mean, there's 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 absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, I don't know. I just uh, like I like like it. I like a good 5k. Uh, I, and I had actually given up on the 10k up until recently, and I, I've rediscovered my love of the 10k this past year. That's a that's a tough event.
1: That is a tough. I haven't raised a good 5k in a really, really long time. I think the last time that I went out to a point, like I, if I think about 5K, like the lactic acid probably starts building up in my body just from thinking about it. Because <laughs> I'm an ultra guy, right? So 5K, yeah. like 5K is scary. And I tell people all the time, like, I'm more scared of going out and trying to run a fast 10K than I am of lining up for a 50K or a 50 miler like that's just for some reason that's just easier for my brain to, to understand and i know that i can handle the long grind and for some reason my brain can handle that a lot more than the leg burning lung searing like such immediate pain that you feel when you go for they yeah, have that hard 10k like i remember it was mech race one when that was still going on in point pleasant park and i it was 5k in, and I was already feeling like I was like wanting to dry heave. But you go to like that means you're pushing just right, right? When you come through 5k and you're feeling like I can't do another five, and you just got to try and hang on. And you're like, Yeah, you can like barely breathe by the time you're done, and barely keep standing up when you do it right. It's just, I just find that's kind of terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. So. <laughs> Uh, uh I I've adapted to that feeling fairly well and and even in in trail running like you you you're right I mean I love trail running but I love to run trails as fast as I can um uh I love to be just on that edge where you s- slip a little bit on that rock and you catch yourself and you you at the last second dodge that tree branch uh, you know that's great um I remember the last time I did uh the flying nuts race that, um, uh, Nova Scotia trail runners put on. Um, so sort of, I guess two years ago, I, uh, I got off course. I was in the lead, got off course, got back on course, Used that, you know, anger in the gut to push forward. And uh, I was literally bouncing off trees with a kilometer to go passing and I passed and I managed to retake the lead with, yeah, about 800 meters to go. Uh, but, uh, Just pushing as
1: hard as I could, so can be fun. Can be a ton of fun. I haven't done a whole lot of um, shorter trail races. It might sound funny, but I think like lining up for like a twenty-five k or like a twenty k trail race to me is kind of a shorter shorter distance. But I was doing like a the to Snot when you're there down at at Wentworth, and I hadn't really gone out and raced a short trail race in a in a long time. And I just remember like feeling the feeling of like, it was so much fun. Like you get to a river crossing and you barely have like a split second to decide how you're going to get over it. You have to like decide like midair, like how how you're going to do this. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. And like, yeah, you just kind of hop in and jump in from trees and things and rocks that you would normally take your time over. And it just, it's, just a whole nother, another level of agility.
0: Yeah. You got to put a little trust, a little faith, but, uh, it's a little bit of fun. Yeah.
1: How did you, um, how did you start getting into trail running? Like what got
0: you interested in that? Uh, I got a pair of trail shoes. So I, I I threw them on and said, all right, let's see what we can do here. So, what Luca
1: aerobics first just hooked you up one day like you were down there. Or yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I just got a pair of Solomons and uh, and, you know, they had some big, big shiny lugs on them. It was my birthday. It was raining. And I was like, I, I feel like I feel like I need to test these. So my very first, I mean, I'd, I'd hiked a lot. Um, I've probably jogged some trails here and there Um I never really had any massive desire to go running them, uh, you know, fast, but I don't know that day I, I, I popped out to the uh, bluff trail and ran loop one, the loop everyone hates. That is, and, that is uh, the
1: worst loop in that trail
0: system. I think, I don't know why I just, yeah. <laughs> and to me, to me, that is, that's, that's a special kind of, I love that trail. I love loop one. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit dangerous. It's a, it's a little bit scary. It's a, it's a lot of thinking, uh, but all split second thinking. And, uh, yeah, it was, I just ran, ran it hard, all the opposite of that heart rate training. I just put those shoes on and I ran as hard as I could for seven and a half K.
1: Nice man. Nice. So do you, what do you, what do you find you like better? Are they both kind of like have their own special place for you? Or like, what do you, I guess you're still maybe drawing a little bit more to a fast road race and a trail race or.
0: Well, I mean, there's not a lot. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of shorter trail races. Um, you know that uh, the, the Flying Nuts one was is in and around 10k, so that's 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 kind of in my wheelhouse. Um, I Dabbled. I did a couple. I went over to Brookvale and did that sort of 20k one. I think it's 20, 20, 25k somewhere around there. Um, and then uh, I did I did one out at Cape Chignecto again. That was 24k, like. 20k like the half marathon distance but on a trail is it's kind of kind of my max um it's just the amount of time and effort i want to put into the training uh and there's just not a lot of them so you know yeah I, there's a I, couple I kinda...
1: more shorter ones that are starting to to pop up i think like i think uh the nova scotia trail running added a couple last year like there was one out at cape split I think that they added in, which should probably be. Oh
0: yeah, okay, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't have the chance to do that one, but uh, certainly that kind of a distance is 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 good for me. Like I feel like I, I feel like my run stride can 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 open up at least for portions of it. I mean, obviously you 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 can't have that full elongated run stride for a lot of trail running. Um, but it's always nice when there's little sections where you can really just open it, open it up a bit. Certainly Cape split you, would allow you to do that. Um, uh, I probably would do more when I, when I, when I know there's going to be a trail race coming in, I really like to prepare for the race I'm going to do. So I kind of switch gears a lot and I would, I wouldn't give up just, uh, you know, running out on the trail and doing a lot of training run on the road, but I would probably certainly add at least least two trail runs a week you know um and really start to push that effort uh so it's i'd kind of i don't i don't like to mix the two too much um so that i can kind of get focused but uh but there's always time for a 5k uh road run in there
1: totally man totally so what has been your most memorable experience so far uh, as a runner, like adventure or racing, or just something that you've been been a part of
0: it's it's hard i i've i've i like experiences uh and, and i've I've dabbled with them all um i certainly uh you know you can pick a few different wins here and there. It's always nice to get your first win my first win was at a mech race a uh, citadel hill one somehow i always seem to run well on that um Uh, It's kind of sad that that, that series is over. Um, uh, Yeah, that's, that's tricky. uh, Two years ago, uh, I'd say kind of one of my highlights was um, I did the 15 K for the blue nose and, and coming in second, that sounds weird to say coming in second is a, is is a highlight, but you know, I was running up Brunswick street to the finish and it was just me Uh, first place was, was a couple minutes ahead of me. He was some fast young 20 year old guy, uh, but here's old 45 year old Ian, you know, running up in, in second place for the 15 K and and it was just kind of, kind of nice. It was kind of special. It's
1: nice, man. Yeah. I find, yeah. Getting, getting a couple of like those podium finishes can be, can be really, really special and really rewarding. And just, yeah, especially your, your first couple of times doing it, like, that's definitely something to remember it just not that it mean it means everything but it it is something that's an extra validation of all of the hard training and work that you've been putting in right
0: yeah uh, otherwise i mean i i'd have to say uh i pace a lot too i do a lot of pacing either uh through uh, a couple of different pacing groups there used to be white rabbit pacing around here uh and then uh, more recently um we switched pace groups and uh they're I'm called gonna, like true north that
1: pacing or something true like? north yeah.
0: pacing yes thank you for no worries bringing the brain up there <laughs> true north pacing yeah but i've also done a lot of just like personalized pacing uh, uh paula james i i paced her to a few uh few pbs uh both on the track which i am not a track guy but that's fine um and uh, paced her to a PB in, in the half marathon uh, a couple years ago. Uh, that was fun. Um, Lindsay Lamrock uh, runs with us, uh, the BLT runners occasionally. She's moved on to PEI, but she's a fast lady. Uh, and Craig Derling, uh, another BLT member, the president of the BLT runners. Um, this past year, we had been training him to get ready for the Johnny Miles that got canceled. So we said, let's let's take it on the trail, man and and we ran we ran straight out to uh to the bike and bean if if you're not from around here it's a it's a little coffee shop part way down our our rails to trail system uh which is conveniently like 21 kilometers from our house so uh we we put craig you know we we put the shoes on and 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 we took off at seven and seven a.m and and i paced him out there and he knocked four minutes off his previous record and, that was, that was pretty special to watch too.
1: Yeah. I think that probably comes full circle to why, why you're a coach. Like you, it seems like you, you enjoy helping people reach, reach their goals and you enjoy those accomplishments probably just as much, if not more, more than your own, right? Like it's, is really special when you can help somebody do something like that. Right.
0: Yeah. It is nice. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm less of a, a hands-on coach than 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 some other coaches. Um, uh, I'll make personalized training plans, but I don't have the time uh, in in my day to really get out there and be with the athletes as much. I, they certainly communicate with me via email or or whatever, or they come to the club runs and we chat. Um, but I don't always get to see them make those strides through training. So it's great to see the the strides come in the in the results afterwards.
1: Awesome, man. So you're one of the, the, the founders or one of the first members of the BLT runners, right?
0: Yeah. You, are? yeah, yeah. I was one of the uh, founders yep. still on the board. Awesome. So
1: who was it that you, that you guys started up the, the club with it Was you and Craig and
0: it was Craig Derling, myself, uh, Scott keeping, uh, Dave Gallant and Tom Burt. Nice. the five uh, founding members and, uh, yeah. And then we added a sixth member up for the board uh, later on. Uh, Shane Padalakis uh, joined us. Um, since then, we've had a, f- a few changeovers in the board. So we have uh, equal equal uh, male and female representation on the board now, which is awesome. And uh, I'm still still the vice president, the, uh, the role that doesn't have that much to do, as I like to say. <laughs> but, uh, but I do the coaching uh, as well. So uh, so I coach for the, for the, for the club. Um, and it's a free club. Uh, we meet depending on COVID, uh, we meet, uh, usually, uh, twice a week. So right now we have our mun, mun run, as we call it, our Monday runs. And then, uh, we usually do speed work in the warmer months, um, out on the, on the trail, uh, though in the winter, we kind of switch that and they, we kind of do some hill work instead. kind of nice.
1: Yeah, I think what, how you guys run your your Monday runs is really, is really cool. Like you, you kind of everybody can kind of know where they're going to be at, like based on like a pace group or something. Right. But you, you do yeah. like a you do an Odenback back and you do it based on time. Right. So that way, yeah, no matter how fast somebody is going, they everyone always starts together and everyone always finishes together. So there's like no pressure that you need to, you need to keep up and there's always a feeling of being like included and part of the group. And I think that that's just awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, usually I I think the time-based run was, was my initial concept and, and that's how I usually train. And that's how I usually coach is time-based runs. Um, uh, I find, personally, uh, that putting an exact distance onto something, um, sometimes certain athletes, uh, focus so much on that. They can, they can hurt themselves. Um, but certain athletes absolutely can. I, am the guy that finishes, uh, a run and hits my, my hit stop on my watch. And it says 16, uh, and people panic. What are you doing? I'm like, I don't care. Like I ran for I, I ran for the time I needed to run I'm, I'm done so I, I I don't care if an athlete runs two minutes longer than I told them to run like that's that's not a huge problem but you know trying to keep within that ballpark of of the time frame I, I've got them set to yep. is really what I like for sure and just yeah quick side
1: uh side story like that is the way I like to, to coach a lot of times too. And that translates very well into trail running because the, the, yeah. the time doesn't discriminate, right? Like you can be going out and a 10K on like Cape Split Trail is is one thing, but then 10K out at like the Cape Chignecto Trail is an entirely different thing. And yeah. they can take a markedly different amount of time and amount of effort to do so that's yeah time time works very well and i think too it can be a lot less intimidating for for some runners to not have a that pressure of a distance as well that they need to do
0: yeah i mean particularly for marathons uh i know it's 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 scary for some of the the slower runners when they think well you know you're not letting me run for more than three hours but it it could take me six hours to finish this marathon what are you going to do i'm like but if you run for If I, if I give you a a 34 kilometer run and it takes you five hours to finish, you're not running for like, you might as well have just run the marathon. Like hundred so much effort,
1: like this is, I have to fight that battle so many times. Like you do not need to do that thirty-six k run before that marathon. You just don't have to. Like whether whether like I'm running three hours or like sometimes even only up to like two and a half hours or so, depending on on that athlete. Is it what's the point of diminishing returns for you? Like when are you going to be able to train again? Like after you do this,
0: right? Yeah. I, I frequently will work with, I mean, depends on the athlete, but, uh, I, I love, um, I love the double up runs on, on weekends, not every weekend, but I'll throw that in, uh, like once a cycle. So they get a couple of big runs. So they're getting lots of distance, but in a safe way. Um, or else I do, uh, I like, I like to have them go out for like 10 K at marathon pace in the evening. And then the very next morning, So like within a 12 hour window, I get them out for a two hour easy run. So, you know, they're getting a lot of effort on, on their legs, but, uh, but not killing themselves so that they can get back out Monday. Even if, even if Monday is just a a recovery, like brisk walk, doesn't matter. Like you gotta, it's that consistency that gets you to the end of the marathon, not the one run a week.
1: I think that that is what people need to understand. Like I remember when I was training for that, first marathon. So that same approach that we were talking about at the beginning of this uh, conversation. Right. And I wasn't being super consistent with my training, but I was always getting that long run in because, you know, that's the most important run for, for marathon training, right. You got to get that long run in. And I remember I started, I did a couple of runs that were up over 30 K and I was like, I couldn't run like the entire next week afterwards right like it just killed me and I think I did that longest run leading up to the the marathon and I still like I ended up on the start line with like niggles and like small injuries because of that so I wasn't able to have as good of an experience because I needed to run that distance it's like no I didn't need to (laughs) what I needed to do was run more consistently and slow down
0: (laughs) yeah well you know I mean I didn't set out. I, I, like I said before, I, I had paced, um, uh, I had paced the, uh, the virtual Boston marathon, uh, the VLT runners hosted, we had a few members that were supposed to have gone to Boston. Um, so they opted to do that virtual run in September. And, uh, so we, we set up a little 10 K course on the trail and that they could go back and forth on and had two water tables and we had people manning the road crossings. So, you know, it was great. And I said, no problem. I'll, I'll step up and I'll pace you you guys, the the faster two guys for the first half. So that's, that's where I'll, I'll bow. I mean, in training, I I run more than 21 K, but I thought, well, that'll be good enough for them. So, but we got to the half and I just kept going and I just kept going and then I finished with them. So, uh, and my longest run that year had been maybe four weeks before I actually did a 30 K long run, uh, just, Cause that week I had nothing else going on and I, I felt like going out for a longer, like a two and a half hour run. So, um, you know, so I wasn't doing that and, and I finished it and we, we finished all in like the three Oh five time frame. This is a flat marathon. So, you know, not a lot of Hills to slow you down, but my consistency over those weeks though was, was still, I was hitting the same numbers constantly, um, 60, 70, 80 K a week. Uh, which I know for some people, isn't a lot. And for some people it's a ton um, for a lot of three hour marathoners, 60 K a week is not very much, but,
1: uh, but that's a, it but wasn't it's exactly, a, it's that, it's that consistency and the training that yeah. provides that strength to the legs. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And your first marathon is never going to be, I mean, some people come out and they just, you know, hit it. Boom. Um, but You know, you, if you're going to be a marathon runner, it it will come, it'll, and you don't hurt yourself, you'll get better, right? If you train smart, you will get a little bit better just because, you know, you're going to build up that tolerance, that capacity, uh, over time. Uh, but it does take time. Um,
1: yeah, you, you can't, that's just, it's not a process that you can rush your body through. Your, no, your no. body's going to adapt to that training at its own pace. Everybody is different and yeah. just going to take as long as it's going to take. And you also are going to learn each time that you go out and push your body that distance. And you, you, there's sometimes a lot of troubleshooting that you need to do as the, those uh, distances creep up too, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, that's another thing too, in a 5k, if, if you're having stomach problems, like, Well, you're, I mean, yeah, you're not going to run, you're not going to run your best, but you can slow down and you can jog it in and it's not a problem and live and fight another day. But, you know, it's, there's all those little things in a marathon that, uh, when they creep up over 30, over the 30 K mark, you start to, uh, they can add up pretty fast. So you've got to, you know, you have to build up, uh, not, you know, muscular strength and, and brain strength over time, I think to really conquer that beast
1: like the the mental the mental aspect to it yeah and yeah. honing your your mental skills and your mental toughness is so so important but so important in in the 5k too because like when your brain is screaming at you to to slow down with with all its might you need to be able to sort of quiet that as well so the mental yeah. the mental yeah. toughness is so important no matter which distance you're doing
0: no it's true um yeah it, it can be, it can be tough to listening to those little voices in your head. But uh, I think I think I've gotten better at them. Um, uh, I I'm the kind of guy that I do tend to run. Uh, I like to run with music uh, on the road. Um, okay, interesting. I find it. I find it tends to it stimulate or motivate me. I listen to podcasts when I run easy because I find it calms me down. So I just don't want to feel like I want to run faster. So those are. I don't need it. I don't run with music on the trail and I'll run for three, three to four hours on the trail sometimes without any music. So it's not something I need, but I certainly find it can stimulate me in the right circumstance. But this past uh, November, when I did my time trial in the half marathon, I had my MP3 player on and I went to my fake start line and uh, the, the headphones broke. They broke a hundred meters into the run.
1: How did that uh, play with your with your mind?
0: Um, do you find you yourself know, like like,
1: focusing on trying to fix that? Like, what's going on? Or Are you just able to? Adapt? No, you
0: know, I I quickly gave up on on the MP3 player. My only concern in the beginning was, do I throw it away somewhere? Like, yeah. come back and get it? Like, am I? Am I like, You can't carry this dead weight it? anymore. I was like, is that too much weight? Yes, is this this hundred grams too much? But but you know what I left it in um, because it actually uh, blocked out enough it doesn't block out all the sound. I, I don't have like head cancel uh, like noise cancelling headphones or anything um, but it just keeps the the outside noise to a, a it limits it to me and, uh, and and I just kept it in now that being said, a TV commercial and to the, the life of me I can't remember what it was uh, got stuck in my head. Uh, like a theme song on a TV commercial. And it just played on my, played for an hour and 19 minutes in my brain. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was a bit annoying, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't falter. I, I kept the pace up. So it's it's not necessary. It's not in, like, super important. It's just a nice thing for me. I I do enjoy it. And I think it's more like just sort of blocking certain stimulus, especially on a hard run. Like, so I'm not like, you know, looking around for the squirrels that are running around. Uh, it's just enough. And I think just leaving those headphones in, uh, just, just cut the noise, the outside world, just enough to, to help me focus. So that was fun. So one thing I'm a little
1: curious about, cause I've seen you post a, a couple of things up on social media about, um, So I'm just going to go off on a little monologue here for a second and then get your opinion on it. Um, So I'm pretty big on the fact that regular maintenance, like body maintenance as a runner goes a really long way in being like proactive and keeping your, your body working. And I know some athletes really struggle with this and they won't, try and, and fix a problem until it like physically like keeps them from running. And by the time they get to the to that point, they've either done done more damage and they ended up needing a more like intensive like treatment, like from physio or something like that. Or they've just prolonged it. And it's something like if they would have gone in within a day or two, then they could have like nipped it in the butt and not had to have deal, dealt with it for like a month and a half. And it's like in my own personal experience, like that's that's where I was like back in the day of going out and running hard all the time is, yeah, you just try and tough through it because that's, that's the mentality, right? You just kind of suck it up buttercup and just, just deal with it. But I ended up just not by, by fluke, but I ended up developing this really great relationship with uh, my physiotherapist, uh, Rob McDonald there at Nova Physio. Again, shout out mm-hmm. to Rob. And there's some really great folks too at uh, Active Approach, like Dr. Thompson over there and, and uh, Dr. Forgeron, the naturopath. And through like, getting to know those people and starting to regularly see them, what i found is like over the course of the past like 5 or 6 years like not only was i getting to know my body a little bit better from learning what they do to to treat me is like now i have this team of people that that understand my body and when i'm training hard i actually will go see rob on like a 3 week rotation and I go see him whether I think I need to go see him or not. And he has this routine. He like knows what to check in my body. He knows like where where, where my range of motion gets limited and what things get tight. So he knows how to, to keep that in check. And since incorporating that, like I've found that I'm able to push my body harder. I'm able to see better results in my training and I don't end up getting sidelined as much as, as I use, as I used to. So I found that so valuable on a lot of different fronts. Like not only like big part too, is learning how they treat me as I now understand like what I can do at home, like for, for body maintenance too, on my own. Cause you, you get to learn these different, like, physio exercises and you get to learn like, well, what, what are the massage, um, people doing when they're working on you? Like what points are they working on? So anyways, in my experience, that's just something that I've learned. And it's something that I try to like pass on to my athletes. And I am met with a lot of resistance to that sometimes and it, it takes a while for them to to realize and come around to say you know what rick you were right i probably should have gone in a month and a half ago to get this ankle checked out <laughs> but i just was wondering if you you've had any experience with that or or what your feelings are on uh like yeah regular body maintenance yeah
0: i mean I'm going to say that like back when I learned heart rate training and my first trip in with, with, with Jeff Sahavich was, um, it was a kind of a, we're, they were trying to put together a little program. Now that little program didn't, didn't, didn't end up happening. RE 201, it was called, um, running economy 201. And it was a combination of, of Jeff and, uh, Luke McDonald was in there checking on uh, foot fit and uh, shoe fit, you know that sort of stuff. Um, and we had two physiotherapists in there as well, and they were doing like a pre-assessment before we started training. And uh, and then I developed a little bit of a relationship. Um, I, I I didn't get significantly hurt later on. I my hip my hip ended up getting a little bit hurt from a triathlon incident. Uh, and so I, I, I thought, well, I'm going to go back in and see, see that physiotherapist who, who I had met there. And that was Anita Connors and she's out at Beaverbank, uh, physio. And, um, I kind of developed that bit of a relationship and to the point where I would go in, um, every spring before the heavy, heavy hitting started. And, and she just kind of go over me, um, and check where the weak points were. And we develop a little bit of a plan. So that was great. Um, I'm all for that, the, the prehab instead of rehab approach, uh, always good. Um, and since then I've developed a, a, a good relationship with a few different, uh, chiropractors. Uh, my original one uh, moved away, which is too bad, but luckily a new one moved in, uh, seaside chiropractic. Uh, so I see, uh, Dr. Alan Schneider there, but his wife, Heather Ross works there as well. Um, and, uh. I, I go in once a month yeah. to get either uh, massage therapy. They, they, they have that there as well with Dan. Um, but, uh, so I'll either see Dan for a massage therapy once a month, um, or twice a month if I really need it, or, or I see Alan, uh, and we do a lot of soft tissue manipulation. So uh, a good 20 minute session with him frees up all the, the weird spots and, and you learn the weird spots, uh, you know, those spots, um, you work on them with those exercises that you've you've learned uh, from your physiotherapist. You you hold on to those. I have a binder um, uh, of all that stuff. I don't get rid of any of it, um, and I I do those uh, exercises. You know, and, and I'm as bad as anyone in that that you know. You get on a little bit of a you're feeling good, and those exercises kind. But, you know, and then you're like, no, 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 you got to, you got to realize you got to bring them back. When I make a training plan, the, 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 first bit of the training plan just says, you know, you know, we train by time, uh, you're going to train, we're giving you this many runs per week. Uh, you know, it's a little, little breakdown. The very next section is here's the, uh, exercises you do four times a week. And I give like three to four exercises, simple ones, uh, Um, They're not very complicated. They're very sort of generic running issue exercises, uh, some of which I've kind of adapted, mostly because I'm not getting to see the person do them. So I adapt them so that they can't screw them up. would they be better doing the, the original version if they could do it perfectly? Possibly, possibly, but I just want them getting, doing these little motions, these little activation exercises. Um, and you know, it, it's the first thing it's before any of the running stuff hits. Yeah. Uh, so I am absolutely all about that. Um, and I love that uh, man. That's awesome. I'm, I, and I love having a, I just say, I mean, it, it takes I you know, they always say it takes a village. Well, you know, I've got my village and, and they keep me going. Uh, you know, I, I, I think my running economy is pretty good, but I know where there's problems. Um, I know that my right ankle is a little tight. And if I don't address it occasionally, uh, with a little bit of a uh, little bit of soft tissue manipulation, um, it, it, it will start to bind up and, and that's just going to change your running gait. It's going to change how things work. And as your body's trying to adapt to that, some new weak muscle is going to say, well, I guess it's my turn. And then that'll fail. And then boom, the next thing you know, you have an injury. So, um, I, I had a small, uh, small like a post tib issue. Uh, so that's just for, for other people. Like it's the kind of the inside of your ankle. Uh, it was, it was a little sore. Uh, I was again, uh, that was back in May. I was doing a lot, a lot of fast stuff. Um, and I couldn't get in to see, I hadn't been in in a couple months to see, to see my people, uh, because of COVID. Um, so, you know, working on it myself, but it's, it's never quite as good once it's, once something really gets set in there, you know, it's really nice to get in and see them as soon as you can. Luckily, I was literally the first appointment through the door on a Friday morning at nine when they <laughs> reopened. Uh, you know, we worked on it. We freed things up. I, I, I was doing some exercises, and you know i you know I got it sort of calmed down within a couple of weeks. I didn't really have to take a lot of time away from running. I just really pulled my schedule back to a couple of runs a week went heavy on biking uh just to sort of take the stress off of there, so it was all good, but yeah you gotta you gotta see your people, you gotta find your people, gotta see your people, yeah like you yeah. said, get
1: get the village yeah. together and and get things sorted out. And like I say it doesn't have to be complicated. Like I'm sure those three or four exercises is targeted. Like the is a lot of kinetic issues with the runners. Like they all come. Like most of the main ones can all be traced back to like the the same root issues, right? Like so, oh, absolutely. Like so many things start from weak glutes because people <laughs> sit all day long, and. Like, yeah, I know like if my like it band is starting to hurt and stuff like that, it's because I haven't been doing my, my leg raises with my band. Like I need to get on that. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. And everyone needs to buy a physio band.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very inexpensive of ind- indispensable piece of equipment that you can have. Yeah. You need your physio. Also band.
0: great for travel too. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah like, you, you gotta, you gotta think about this. Like, some people travel and not, not as much right now, but um People do travel for work a lot or or for fun. Having a having a small assortment of, of things you can bring with you to take care of yourself when you're on the road. Cause yeah, you're either sitting on a on in the car for a long time, you're sitting on a plane for a long time or a bus or a train. Doesn't matter. When you travel, you sit for a long time.
1: Oh it's so funny. I have um I have a band, like I'm working from home right now, but when we're when we're in the office. I got uh one of the bands tied to the tied to my desk. People always like, "What's that for?" It's like, "Well, you see me standing up at my desk. I'm doing my leg raises, man."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have it on my desk right here in front of me. So,
1: those <laughs> so as people ask, "Well, how do you fit it in?" Well, you just you just fit it in throughout the day. Like you stand up. Like you should be getting up like every couple hours anyway. So just fit in a set of leg raises. It's not that difficult. Oh yeah, yeah and stuff like that like especially with the glute activation like there's a lot of science behind hitting some of that stuff like immediately before going out the door and that really helps the glutes fire and helps them work yeah. a lot better and engage a lot better on on your runs too so if people can incorporate that as part of a warm up if they're having struggling with like IT band or anything like that then it can really help too
0: yeah, no, I and mean, we we when we do our speed work in the summer, we uh, we start with a just a nice little uh, ten to fifteen minute easy jog, and then uh, we go right through the movement activation drills. So, yeah, um, you got to get that started before you start kicking it up fast. So,
1: definitely, definitely, and I say if people want to want to get faster, like you got to get more range of motion in your hips. Like you, you got two variables that that you can use to get faster and one's your stride rate and you're only going to get so fast, like taking, taking more steps. Like you really should be not maxing out at a whole lot more than 180 or 190. So you got to be able to have a longer stride and you need to lengthen those hip flexors and quads and everything that's restricting that movement. So.
0: Well, it's fu- it's funny because people say, "Well, this is as far as my you know, this is the maximum I can go." I'm not a very, very tall person. Well, I I dare say you should they should all take a look at the height of some of these top marathon runners. Oh yeah, because they're not very tall; they're very short, and, they're, and they have a stride length of two meters or more.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's actually a lot to that. Like the 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 shorter runners with with less frame, they actually they don't have as much heat generated so in some of these these marathons they're actually able to perform better than a taller runner just because just because of their physiology of actually being shorter it's an advantage over the like you you would think it would wouldn't be you think the person with the longer stride would be able to do better but yeah but sometimes the the shorter runner does have an advantage especially in in hotter climates and things so yeah i think that's pretty cool um Let's dive into your race directing for a little bit. Like you, you're doing the, the Movember run, right? Like that, that's your thing. And you're, you're also, are you involved with the the Cana cross guys too? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I actually, I sit on the board of directors of uh, uh, the Maritime Association of Harness dog sports. Yeah. So that's uh, Cana cross, um, bike joring, ski joring, and Cana, Cana trail. Um, but cane across, uh, is essentially, uh, you attached to your dog. Lots of people run with their dogs, but few people run with their dogs. So in this case, you have a harness that, yeah, it's almost like, uh, if you've ever been rock climbing, uh, indoor rock climbing, you wear that little harness and it, you kind of sit in it. Um, and that's what it is. It straps around, uh, so it rests you kind of sit back in this thing and then there's this sort of long bungee leash that attaches to the dog uh, and the dog goes and and the dog pulls and you can, uh, you can, you can find some speed um, with that. Uh, And it's, and it's great. Um, In our group, we've got uh, some uh, age group national champs and, and uh, actually the president of, of, of the group um, is, uh, is the Canadian current Canadian women's champ. Uh, there wasn't a nationals last this past year, but, uh, so that's Sarah Peel. So, so she's pretty good. And, uh, but I don't tend to run with the dogs very much, mostly because I have chihuahuas. Um, but I, I really like, love the concept and I want to help grow the sport. Um, so I, I I do host a few races with them. Uh, and I kind of introduced more people I guess to to the world of it uh, by allowing it in my in my Movember run initially that's kind of where it started where I was in Point Pleasant Park you know hosting their race and and somebody said can I run with my dog because most races don't let us run with our dogs I said no problem just you know start over there so you don't get all tripped up with people to the point where we started getting enough people wanted to run with their dogs so we said okay well we'll start you a few minutes behind everyone else and then so you get a few people that are still just enjoying a run with their dog but then you get some people that show up with the full with the full kit and they, and they go for a run and they go they go blazingly fast um i mean my personal best time uh in 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 the mile is on on a flat track uh, on a flat mile is 504 i think and without really trying too hard running in the pitch black because my headlamp fell off uh i ran like a 440 with 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 one of these dogs attached to me so that was that was not giving it everything so you you know you can certainly you can certainly find some time with these with these guys so uh i really like to help help grow that sport so i've been helping host a few races uh hopefully this year we'll get some in um i was i was lucky this past year with with the november run it it because my event's small and we just fit it in a window. We so, got a yeah, live. You event were hit. one of
1: the ones that actually got to go this year. So that yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, because we I always have aimed for the Movember run, uh it is obviously uh, raising money for the Movember charity. Um and this is this is this was the ninth year and we were going, kind of, oh, do we just do a virtual run or or what do we do? But I've always been I always maximize uh, max it out at a hundred runners. Uh, people say, well, you know, you can fit more runners and that's not a problem. I was like, but, but I can handle a hundred runners. Like I can, I can make this event fun for a hundred people, um, uh, or, and, and not, not lose too much sleep myself. I still lose a little bit of sleep, but uh, you know, because of its size and because we could adapt a little bit to some of the COVID rules uh and, and split it up and because people are generally just out to have a bit of fun at, at this race, there's always a couple fast people that that, that want to win. Um, but you know, like this year we had two guys running in Speedos. So there's always uh, it turned out to be like the nicest day we've ever had from I was like, wow, you guys are lucky. <laughs> but uh, you know, they raised a couple thousand dollars each for us, so for the event. So um uh, you know, it's great. I love, I love race directing. It's great. Be it, uh, just the two legged people runs or, or the, uh, six legged cane across runs. Um, it's fun. And, and particularly with cane across, it's great giving people that opportunity that nine years ago, I, I didn't see any cane across races around here. Uh, we have a few now, um, and and i think we're trying to grow the sport um it's it's a big sport in places like ontario and quebec but it's not here it's massive in europe um uh, and I, I think we've got some talent here uh and i i really want to help nurture that so we have a board meeting this week to see uh see what the year is going to look like that's but, uh, yeah
1: so I've been doing a lot of running with, with my dog Luna. She's a she's a whippet. She's a, it's a little yeah. over a year now. She's a fantastic dog to have out on the trail, and like she's she's got endurance. Like she can go. Like she's been running with me for like, like up to like six and a half hours now. Like she's gone. We did, we got out to Refugee Cove and back. Like at Chignecto. Like she's she's a trooper, and she loves speed work. If I go and do an interval session with her, she she's obviously way faster than I am, but she's always just like trying to like knit me in the butt to go faster. Or she's literally like bounding and like trying to like knit me in the ear or yeah. her her other favorite one is she's just like got, like stealth precision for grabbing sticks while we're sprinting. So she'd be grabbing sticks, throwing them up leaping catching them all while i'm like going like max speed like she's she's awesome but i think we're gonna have to come in and uh and find you someday and get set up with uh with the gear for for canna because i think it'd be a lot of fun like she doesn't have the the best manners as a puppy right now because she's kind of a product of covid and she gets a little excited around new people and dogs and things and like we're working on that like she's very gentle soul like it's not a problem or anything like that but it's yeah. just something that we need to to work on but i think we could have a lot of fun uh, at one of those events and like she is fast yeah and i joke like when we rode on the trail it's like all right uphill assist time luna let's get up this hill
0: <laughs> and it's funny like people go oh well you know obviously there are certain dogs that just can dominate at this and uh and um the German short hair pointer is a particular favorite of people. Uh, A lot of those around uh, and they're fast and they're big and strong and they can pull. Um, And it's funny because our, our national champ, uh, Sarah, um, she runs with, with, with one um, that, and that's what she won with, but her original dog to run with was a greyhound and uh, who just enjoys a casual jog. The, like (laughs) <laughs> it's it's always funny to to find the find what what a dog like enjoys the event, but you know at her pace. It's, uh, it's but-
1: totally funny, and we we've always had greyhounds. Like up until this year, like we've had three greyhounds, and they they love going hiking and stuff. But they they're not a rugged dog. Like they like as soon as you get into some rugged terrain, terrain or you're trying to like trail run, they're like no no no. I want to slow down now like this. Can we chill out? But I I take them to the, you pack them all up, take them to a closed in ball field and they'll, they'll tear around so fast for like two or three laps. And then they just kind of flake over and, and lounge. That's what,
0: (laughs) yeah, it's kind of what they're designed for. But you know, dogs are like people they have to train too. They have to, they have to learn that endurance and our events are anywhere between like three and six K like my, my Movember runs six K the dogs are dogs are toast at the end of that. Like they, they they're, they're toast. Uh, but I do another one where it's two three k runs with a with a rest period in between. Yeah, that kills the people more than the dogs because the dog wants to run even faster. Um, and I usually try and uh, on that event, I know I always do a one k run for uh, novices or little kids or really young dogs. Um, they should only be pulling like actually like pulling in the leash for, for so long when they're, when they're really young. Um, so, but you know, like, I remember the, not this back in 2019, like a guy, a kid came and ran with his pug and you know, that pug was having a great time. He wasn't fast, but he was doing the best he could for a pug. So, um, you know, (laughs) that was, you know, you never know what dog's going to show up. It's great fun.
1: And yeah they they definitely need to learn like the different intensities just like people do cuz like Luna like she can she can go for a long time like she's she's good to go and run with me forever and she can do the short like pure like VO2 max stuff like she's good with like the 30 second like 1 minute even up to like 2 minute intervals but she's not so good at threshold like, I don't know if no. she just kind of gets bored, like running that fast for that long. Like if she either just wants to run faster, like, I don't think I'm like, I don't think she's getting maxed out. I think it is more of like a a boredom thing. Like, why are we still doing this <laughs> like <laughs> kind of thing? I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but she, she struggles with like a longer, like seven or like eight minute kind of thing. So yeah. I don't like she. She's not going to be a natural. I don't think at going out and doing like a hard five k. Or maybe she might like if she's got another dog or some more people to chase because she loves like running after like like somebody's in front of her. So yeah,
0: and that's often so. Usually, um, uh, it's it's rare that you do a mass start in these kind of events. You usually do one up, two up kind of thing, uh, at the Movember run, just cause, uh, Point Pleasant Park has such wide trails. We can do, uh, we can do four, four up at a time. Um, but you don't want to like have tangled leashes and uh, confusion and stuff. And the dogs are pretty riled <coughs> up at the start line. They're ready to go. So, but it's, it's nice if you're going off in like these 15 second intervals, like there's, there's just enough of you down the road and they, you know, that, so some dogs really enjoy that sort of chase. Yeah uh, which is great. Um, locally we'll have a uh, dog running, which is, uh, a, a cane across club. So they meet in long Lake park. Uh, but there's a few different clubs throughout Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Um, so, uh, that's great. Like you can probably find one somewhere near you. Um, and then getting, getting fit for the the harnesses. It's, it's, it's kind of nice to have it fit you, but, uh, you, you, the harness on the dog fits so that it's actually pulling quite near uh, their lower back. Um, obviously you don't want to pull from a, from a, a collar um, in a fun run. Well, we, we don't mind if, if people just show up with any sort of um, sort of harness kind of style running device, but the best, the best ones fit at that lower back and that's where they're getting all their power from They're pulling. And so there's a few different shops around aerobics first, um, has, has Nahak, which is, a, a great Canadian brand for these things. And, you know, you go in, bring your dog in. That's a great thing about aerobics first too. Like they work with us. Uh, you, you bring your dog in, yeah. you know, you get it fit. Right. Uh, so, th- and that's really what you want to have, but I know, uh, most of the clubs know how to fit harnesses too. So, um, you know, it, it's also good to just go out and, and meet some people and, and see how it all works. They usually have, some, uh, they don't mind inviting people in uh to see how it all works to grow the sport
1: yeah like we we were gonna go in and like when we when we got Luna and we were getting into to doing this is like i said that's when when COVID hit and we we were gonna book in to get a get her fitted at uh at aerobics first for a proper harness we just haven't got got around to do that yet, but we do i do runner with the harness and it does kind of like the, the attachment point is sort of back by her shoulder blades and things like she doesn't pull a whole lot, like when we run. So I think it is, I definitely think it is better to have her like off the collar and stuff like that. So like
0: when she sees a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and certainly free, free running is, is a whole different thing. Um, uh, Yeah. yeah, but that's fun too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're not quite there yet. Like, she she's got better recall with with my wife than me and but uh i kind of prefer like at least where where i'm running like if i'm gonna be running through a park like i want to know that she's not just gonna go run off and and bother people like you know (laughs) so anyways we do pretty well running running on leash and we have a lot of fun and we will work up to to the free running for sure but yeah i'm gonna we need to make a point of getting into to getting one of those harnesses because i think it probably will help her be a little more comfortable too like when
0: yeah when we're out running it's also nice too because it you can they can learn how to run and pull in that harness and then learn how to walk properly in you know a, a, a standard leash collar kind of setup you know, and we learning those variables is really nice.
1: And we do try to reinforce that. Like um, if she's on collar and leash, then that means she's supposed to behave like a proper canine citizen. And we're going for a walk or the harness is on. then that means that she's allowed to have a bit more energy and we're out to have some fun. Right. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. Cool, man. So I think that, Probably about does it like we're, we're getting on close to like building up to an hour and a half now. So I'll let you go here sometime, sometime soon, but I like to end the show just by asking a couple of questions to help leave the, the listeners with a little bit of insight, maybe a little bit of wisdom in some of the areas that we've been talking about No, no pressure to have too much wisdom or be super, super insightful or anything like that. But, um, so let's, let's get into it. So as a coach, what's your number one piece of advice that you give to runners that are looking to get faster? Now, I think I know where you're going to go with this based on our previous conversation, but.
0: Yeah, uh, I I would say the number one thing is do every run like you're going to run tomorrow. Cool. So if it's hard, then it's got to be within reason and it's got to be short. And if it's the longer you go, the easier it has to be so that tomorrow you can run again. And it's that consistency of running. You don't have to run seven days a week and you probably shouldn't, but it's that consistency that's going to make you the faster runner.
1: 100%. It's a long-term consistency over months and years that adds up to that race day performance, hundred percent. Cool. Um, next question. What's the number one thing that you see is holding most runners back? That's a,
0: that's, that's a good one. Um, I would say probably uh, not not taking care of themselves like we were talking about before, like uh, like not not making sure that that the running is the only only piece of the puzzle, that it's not it's the rest. It's the recovery. It's the it's the uh, it's the diet. It's the sleep. It's all that that, those things. It's it's the stuff you do outside of the running, I guess, in, in in a way that 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 they need to really have it as a as a key focus on their training as well yeah
1: when i find the light bulb starts to come on and the progress really starts to happen when the training becomes more like full circle like it becomes more of a lifestyle it's not just about the the training run it's about improving your overall health and wellness and how that's going to affect your performance. So hundred percent agree on that. It's awesome, man. So we did it. So um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed this conversation. It's super nice to be able to geek out a little bit and have some technical discussions with a fellow coach. So thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Okay, you guys. I do hope that you enjoyed uh, this conversation that I had with Ian, but I truly hope that if you learned or took away one thing from this talk with Ian, it's that you should all be striving to figure out how to run easy. It doesn't have to be complicated, but you need to embrace slowing down. This is the key to being able to run faster and further than you ever thought possible. If you enjoyed the show and you want to show your support, the best thing that you can do is subscribe and leave a review. If you've already done that, then it would mean so much to me if you share this episode with your friends on social media. I love seeing posts or getting tagged in people's stories. It's really awesome. I really need your help to grow the show in order to make this sustainable so I can keep bringing you conversations with real runners in our community who are out there doing amazing things. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time...